so far. Um, we have quite a bit to cover. I'm trying to see how we navigate. Uh, but what I want to do is um, this theology of excellence. Uh, in this session, I want to focus on um, not excellence from the viewpoint of you, the leader, but so much excellence from the viewpoint of the teams, ministries, organization, organization that we lead. Is that is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Everybody here? Okay. All right. If, you, if people start sleeping, I'll talk to you to lead worship for about five minutes, <laughs> basically. And we'll sing, God is fighting for us. Shame back the dance. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So, theology of worship. Um, this is part two. <clears throat> and we want to look at, I suppose, what we want to look at is excellence um, in ministry. Another way of looking at that is um, professionalism and ministry, or another way of looking at that is spirit and skill, right? Okay, so um, the key things that I just want to quick, I'm going to be quick about, I'm going to quickly address in this session is um, reimagining what holiness is, um, um, things like what part does skill development play in ministry or in delivering ministry in an excellent way? Um, things like stewardship, what is good stewardship? So these are the things, these are the outcomes that we should be able to get. Like I said, I'll be very brief about it. Um, things like how much does um, organization influence the flow of the anointing, right? Are we together? Okay. All right. So these are some of the things that, um, that we are looking to discuss. So please somebody get Exodus 25 verse 40. Exodus 25, 40. Exodus 25, 40. Then after this, then we're going to go into our groups. I'll give us our group project. And then, you know, we'll come back and, and talk to everybody and present. Um, are we excited about that? Yeah. Yes, good. Good. I think what will help the sleep is that we didn't have heavy food, jello fries, all that. If, if that's it, that's over. Game over. Game over. All right, anyone go Exodus 25, 40? Anyone got it? Yes, please. Yeah. See that you make them after the pattern for them, which has been shown you on the mountain. Moses was going to build the tabernacle. All right. And God gave him some important instructions about the items that he needed for the tabernacle. And God told, not only did God give him the instructions, God gave him, God showed him by revelation a pattern. Someone say pattern. Okay. That these things had to be used in building the tabernacle. So the word again is pattern. Someone say pattern. Do you get that? Okay. So God 
the 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 key here is the idea of building the tabernacle, right? Is 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 Pastor D, come, 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 come. Pastor Marvin, if you want to see in front. Okay, okay, no problem. Yeah, yeah. So um God God was this work is spiritual. Would you agree? Building a tabernacle. You know what a tabernacle is, right? A tabernacle we will say is is a um yeah, a God's dwelling, something that symbolizes the dwelling place of God. Do you see what I'm saying? Just like a temple. So the project, the project is spiritual. All right. Now, I think something I was trying to help us understand is the way we understand who God is matters. Life is entirely dependent on the way I understand God. If I don't understand God, I will just never be able to produce in anything. So when I think of God, when you think of God, you think of a of, of a spiritual being, okay, that the the main things that I in his remit are things that are um only character based. So like we did look at that in the first part. So this is the balance. So you think of God, you think about worship. You think of God, you think about love. Okay. You think of God, you think about goodness. You think about so that those are the things or Worst case, you think about, you think of God, you think about angels and the realm of the spirit and things like that. But when you study God, the, his essence is all complete. So when you start studying the nature of God, you start noticing some very important things that God, that's so peculiar to God. One of those things you would see, I'll give an example, is that God told Noah to build an ark and God gave him specifics. <laughs> in terms of measurements. Now, this is God we're talking about. He gave him measurements, this high, this wide, this cubit, all of that. So, and sometimes reading those things, boy, they're long, because I'm just like, I mean, if you have a maths brain, to God be the glory. But 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 he gave him, he gave him specifics in terms of this is what he should look like. This is how. So when you now start studying, if you're if if we're genuine in our study, we'll see that wow. God is detailed. So the same God who is holy, the same God who is loving, the same God who is kind, the same God who sent Jesus to die for us, he's detailed. I was trying to explain, it's so hard to, leadership is discipleship. So it's not that it's a different curriculum. You gotta, it's what it is, okay? Right, I, I was preaching about something the other, I was talking about Jesus going on the cross. And I think that the father was so measured that Jesus' body was able to take the punishment he took on the cross. He had to be physically fit for that. Okay? So if Jesus was not healthy, does that make sense? If, in the same way in the Old Testament, you won't give some random animal to, off, to be offered. The, the animal had to be healthy. Okay? Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to be healthy to be given. Come on, is this making sense? All right. So it's all in, the, the problem is, is in the way that we perceive God. Because the things we're talking about in this session, things like organization, excellence, and all of that stuff, these are things that sometimes as believers, we don't embrace with our spirituality as part of our spirituality. All right. And so in some sense, they somewhat become optional. And it be, they become optional and is evident when certain things in the ministry are not as important as the other. Are we together? 
So when you think of God, you think of God, the architect, God, the one that gives instructions. This is how it should be done. So God is talking to Moses and he's saying, okay, I want you to build a tabernacle for me, right? But I want you to build this tabernacle according to the pattern of the things that are being shown above. So the idea here is the idea of that which is professional, all right? That is that which is well done. Someone say well done. Yeah, that, that which is well done. That means God wants things done properly. And if God wants us to do life properly and ministry pro properly and things like that, then it means that there are blueprints, specifics, designs, things that he wants us to do. So the point here is how I reimagine what holiness is. Just like worship, right? How I reimagine what holiness is, that holiness, holiness, I, I want you to please think of the word excellence and holiness synonymously. This is where you're going to change the game. This is what I'm saying. If you cannot merge holiness and excellence together, we haven't understood holiness properly. Why? Because the word holy um, is a word that depicts are we still here the sleep is not is not affecting you right okay that's why i'm coming closer because if the closer i come then i'm now looking <laughs> i went to a retreat once they served us yam and egg bread and this thing that i even ah, i struggled i didn't sleep but i missed a few seconds <laughs> The next day, the preacher was like, change the menu because it was so obvious. I was like, yam and egg. Ah, wow. So we thank God that we had just, you know, light lunch. Okay. So what was I saying before? The holiness, right? Okay. So the word holiness, please understand the flow, the way we've gone about excellence. Because what would help us to move into excellence as a team is when it becomes part of our honor for God. All right. So what holiness is a word that depicts the distinction of God, right? It, it really is a word of separation. It, it, it really means that God is entirely unique. God is entirely separate. God is entirely distinct from every other thing that you may, you may think or any, any other being. Essentially, God is in a league all by himself. That is holiness. Now, so in the scriptures, when God wanted us to, to understand his holiness, right? He wouldn't just show us. Now, this is very important. He wouldn't just show us himself. Like, okay, so you see one on the throne that's seated, you know, um, you know, with... Uh, with glory and splendor around him. And he won't just show us himself. He would show us everything in his environment. All right. That replicates, excuse me, that replicates that holiness. So I'll give you examples. You go study the book of Revelation. There are many streams to the word. And God is showing us about his holiness. And then you will see things like he would show us the setup of his throne. There are 24 elders. All right, that's depicting his holiness. So his holiness is not just that like you're just seeing a white shining bright, <laughs> bright light. Okay, his holiness is also depicted in his organization. 
in his excellence, in his administration. Stay with me, all right? Okay, so what's around him, how it is ordered, how things move, how things operate. Okay, so that's, that's a major part of his holiness because it, 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 it's kind of like, if you want people to, okay, uh -huh, this is very good. Some of you, if you come to your house, your house is, 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 a, is the, what's the word now? Is a testimony of Pinterest. I didn't say pin interest this time. Uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Yeah, I, I call it pin interest once. They, they told me off. So what's it called now? I uh had -huh, that one. You should have just called it pin interest. But we, we argue with that. All right. So when we come to your house, we know you don't have to tell us that we don't, you don't have to tell us that, that you're creative. Right? You've done certain things when we walk in from the plug-in that we smell. Amen. <laughs> right? Okay, to the little thing you have in front, welcome to this house of peace. Okay, to the artwork, I've not, I've, we haven't entered yet. We're just at the door now. <laughs> we're just at the door. All right, to the artwork that you have. Okay, then by the time we're getting there, you have another thing just by your toilet. This is what I'm saying. So what we see is that we don't, you don't have to tell us that I'm a creative person. Your environment is what tells us that you're creative. All right. So if you tell us, although there's some very weird creatives, these guys at GN London had a conference once. <laughs> they used a venue called the Paul School. I'm only saying that to absorb myself of responsibility. The venue was called the Paul School. Yeah. Ah. You know when they say your name determines your destiny? I've never. <laughs> it was as it was, the it carried the identity. The postco P double O R. Postco, yeah. Yeah. So we went there thinking, no, mate, what the kingdom has come. Ah, it's not every battle you fight. <laughs> so literally, so we, we we had um this thing. So we, we we were able to see the venue, but we didn't see it fully. And we had a worship night. Guys, I kid you not. For, if you notice, the guys around you know, every conference we have, I go check the toilet. I don't care. The, I promise you from that day, I go ch check the toilet. I have no, I was eating. So everyone is safe, right? I don't. <laughs> Pastor Delassi, are you one of those that you get irritated? Do you get irritated, Pastor Delassi? I'll, I'll, you don't. I kid you not. I kid you not. I, in my, in years, I haven't seen toilet with green. <laughs> That day, that was, the, that was the first time ever I invited SLW ever. That day, I was praying, please don't, don't let people go to the toilet, God. <laughs> because I, it's so, it got so bad, we had to start telling people, go to McDonald's and go to the, to the toilet. I could not understand. This was, it was such an embarrassment. From that day, every event, I don't care how nice it is, I just go, please, have you checked the toilet? Right? I was so, because I was like, how can you be a creative and this is the order around you. So some people are weird. But here's what I'm saying. Generally speaking, when you have something about you, it's, 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 it's um, your environment depicts it. Does that make sense? And the same thing about God is that you cannot attribute the holiness of God to one area. You don't attribute it to another area. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and, and holiness... In, in different fields look, looks different, but it's the same thing. 
So how do I put it now? Holiness, if you if if you wor work in the, let's say, for example, the financial industry, holiness is not speaking in tongues, it's having integrity. Do you see what I'm saying? So if, for example, right, you speak in tongues and da-da-da-da, but you lack integrity, that's not holy. So the idea of holiness, all right, is, is vast. And an aspect of holiness is excellence. You, you, you have to just accept it, <laughs> right? It's, it's excellence, right? It's excellence. It, it, it's, a, it's a dutiful part of holiness. Because don't forget, what we are learning is we are offering everything to God. So there is no aspect of my life that is not worship. Come on, someone stay with me. Amen. If you can endure the next 20 minutes, believe me, you fall asleep. The sleep battle lasts for about 45 minutes. I'm experienced. I've been doing this for a while. All right. <laughs> so you reimagine. Are we together? Right. You reimagine holiness. So the, the, the question here is... In an, in an organization, right, it is not enough to depict spirituality by tongues, prayer, um, teaching. Those things are very important. But everything about the system that an organization operates must give witness to who God is. And, and, and so you find that Israel never got to be able to just do whatever because they had the law. Does that make sense? God didn't say to them, as long as you keep the law. No, he would teach them. God was so involved in even their ceremonial, uh, what's it called now? Even, even, even their ceremonial washings. Does that make sense? How they, their hygiene. <laughs> God was involved in their hygiene. So, we, we understand that some of these things, they depict, you know, um, um, us being washed in the blood and things like that. But, but they're valid areas of life. Okay, let me try this. You don't brush your teeth and give someone a prophetic word. <laughs> you killed the prophecy right there and there. <laughs> I will have bye. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So everything, how we, how, how we represent God. Basic. Okay, let, let's move on quick. I think I've, I've, I've established that. So it's about reimagining holiness. You understand what I'm saying? So holiness also is excellence. Okay, it is how God is put on display in every way. Okay, so let's walk into our churches. Let's be able to pray, but let's also have good order. Let's have good timing. Are we together? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, so moving on. So the question is, how does excellence influence the flow of God's grace? Another way I would ask that is, how does organization influence the flow of God's grace? Does it matter if we are excellent? We understand the excellence that begins from the heart. But now we're talking about excellence in our ministries, excellent in our teams. Does it affect the flow of God's anointing? Yes, it does. In the book of Acts, they had been praying about the, the Holy Spirit's coming. So they met up several, you know, they've met up about, was it 120 days? How many days? For how many days was it? There were, was, it was it 120 of them? 120 of them praying for several days. Yes. All right. But 
as you've heard me teach, one of the things that we underestimate the most about what happened in the book of Acts was the prearrangement that took place where the Holy Spirit came. The Bible says that a key thing had occurred that Judas, all right, who had denied Jesus, obviously he had left his office. Now, you have, so you have to recognize these things. This is what I'm saying. Now, that lets you know something. Leaders, if someone leaves a position, fill it. Fill it. Don't, like, don't cry over someone so much that you don't fill the position. Does, it, does, it, does, it, does that make sense? All right. So now, here's, here's what it is. So Judas's place had, had gone, and so there were, there were 11 foundational apostles there were, sorry, yeah, there were 11 foundational apostles, all right, but there were 12 offices. So what did they have to do? In Acts chapter 1, the first order of business. Now, this, is, this today is underestimated because some, sometimes the, the reason why we don't see the manifestation of God is because we've not followed the due order. Yeah. Are we together? Okay. So what did they do? They realized that they could not leave that office unoccupied. So one of the first things they had to sort out was an issue of organization. That was one of the first things they had to sort before the Holy Ghost came. And what they did was, not only did they feel, they didn't just feel Judas's place with, so, because there were many people that would, would have been good, notable people. But they had to fit it according to the relevant spiritual credentials. It had to be someone who was with them from the beginning who had seen and witnessed the things Jesus did. Because the qualification there was the apostolic order there was the apostles of the Lamb. There are different qualifications of apostles. You get that? The apostles of the Lamb. Okay, they are scripture writing apostles. All right. So apostles of the Lamb are... Uh, um, the 12 apostles that Jesus chose and then uh, Bar 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 Barnabas? Barabbas? Barnabas, replaced. Who replaced? Matthias, sorry, yeah. And then Matthias replaced Judas. So, well, that was a so that means, watch this. Could it be that if they never did that, the Holy Ghost wouldn't have come? Have you thought of it that way? If they and, and sometimes we'll think, oh no. Ah, it doesn't really matter. So that means that God doesn't just honor prayers. He honors patterns. <laughs> you see that? God does, he doesn't just, again, it's the Elijah dynamic. He's going to call fire down from heaven. But he has to rebuild the altar in a certain way. So the point here is, how much does, how we organize things, how much does it actually have to do with the flow of grace? I'll give you certain examples. These are things I've taught in times, but I'm just, I'm just trying to help you link it together. All right. So Moses was a great man and God was really using him, but he had limitations. He had to sleep. <laughs> he had a wife, Zipporah. Okay. He had limitations. And the burden, Israel's burden, was great. So Jethro, his father-in-law, called him 
and said, Moses, he said, this thing you're doing is not good. In other words, you can die before your time. <laughs> so what you're doing is not good. You will extend yourself and you still wouldn't be. So he told him, he said, find 70 men, right? Find 70 elders and, and, and the Lord gave him this counsel. Put your hands upon them, lay your hands on them and your spirit will come upon them and they will help you bear this burden. So Moses had the anointing, but he didn't immediately have the revelation of the organization that would, that would have caused the anointing to be effective. Come on, someone talk back to me. Right? He didn't have the systems. He didn't have the teams. He didn't have the structures. It's called the Jethro principle. He didn't have, the, he didn't have that. So he would have been limited right by that lack of organization and th there would have been a the anointing would have been there the anointing would have been there quite all right right the, the ability the giftings and guess what it would amaze you right th th there was a time um here in gn i can't remember what, what what we did but we we looked at the service order and we finished service we saved 20 minutes now you might not believe i did it but <laughs> right and 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 no seriously and and i looked at it it's because, you know, my service leaders, <clears throat> oh, I'm just coughing, <laughs> right? They are very thorough with the announcements. When they announce, even the angels are like, yeah, for this cause, right? No, no, but we looked at different things and we realized that, ah, we can finish service. Now, not that I've upheld it since then, but, okay. But I said to see that things like waste. You see that? You, we wouldn't realize how much money we waste, how much time we waste, how much resources we, we waste if we don't have good organization and order. Right? So actually, order preserves the flow. It preserves the flow. And not only that, order is good stewardship. So, when we move in order, when we move in excellence, we actually increase the flow of God's grace. So, listen, if I don't know how to manage one person, God shouldn't give me 10. That's not a blessing. That's a problem. There's, there are certain growths you don't want yet, at least. Are we together? So, someone shall order organization influences the flow so so the the the, the link that other organization has to how god deals with it, it's a direct link it's not like it's not like you can afford not to be organized or you can afford you it's, you don't you don't get to choose whether you want to be organized or whether your ministry will be organized or no if you want the flow you have to prepare it's like when Elisha, Elisha speaks to this woman, what do you have in your house? She says, I have a bottle of oil. He said, okay. He said, go and borrow many vessels. Go get many structures. Remember that story? He told, he told her, I said, hey, you want a miracle? That's great. But go borrow many vessels. And she went to borrow as many as she, she could find. And guess what? When she started pouring the oil, the oil stopped where the vessel stopped. Now that could that could that's literal, but we can gain 
insight into the wisdom of God. You know, I always talk about you have to interpret the literal first. Does that make sense? All right, that's literal, but we can also gain insight into, is, it, is God showing us something there? Right? That the extent to which he can go with us is the extent to which we respond with structure and organization. Right? He will never bless me. I'm, I'm not talking about blessing or salvation. What I mean is, right, he will never commit into my hands something I don't have the structure or the capacity to handle. If he does that, he's punishing me. And this is a principle you can apply in ministry, in leadership. All right. Somebody say amen. Do we get that? All right. So, um, let me see how I can land this. So for, for, for us to move in order, for us to move in organization, we have to, um, we must have what I call, uh, the, we must understand the due order. Someone say the due order. So what do I mean by that? Where there is no due order, there is no excellence. Where there is no due order, you will quickly find as leaders that if we don't have, by due order, I mean standards. If we don't have standards, everybody is permitted to interpret ministry in a way that suits them. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'll give an example. People have come from different backgrounds. So but if Pastor D says to someone, oh, do it excellently, it depends on my exposure of excellence. <laughs> it depends. It depends. It depends what excellence is to me. Because excellence is not the same for everybody. So that means then, in a ministry space, I have to define what excellence is according to the due order of that ministry. Come on, someone talk back to me. All right. So God shows Moses, build according to the pattern. What is God saying to Moses? In other words, when God is saying to Moses, build according to the pattern, Exodus 25, God is not just saying to Moses, just you build. It means bring everybody up to that pattern. So if I only, senior leaders, if I only know the pattern and other people don't know the pattern. So I'll give an example. Say you're a team leader and I've spoken to you. Say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This, this is where church we're going to. This is where we, we're going. And you don't translate that information to your team. So for example, everything you're learning here, ideally you should go back to your team and have a session with them and say, guys, this is what is important. This is what we need to do. Why? Because everybody will just imagine excellence in the way that suits them. And it will be one of the most frustrating things. It will be, it will be as bad as fighting the devil. Because you're putting in all this effort and everybody is not on the same page. So then it means that for order to exist, for excellence to exist, right? There has to be clear definition. Excuse me. There has to be clear definition. There has to be clear standards. Right? Nothing must be left to imagination. Nothing. So that means everybody must get a message on what time do we arrive at church? Does that make sense? Otherwise, somebody in their heads think, ah, at least I made it before worship. Excellent. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right? One of the things we must do this year, every, if we've done it, let's do it again. Every team must have a code of conduct. Every, like nothing must be left to imagination. Every team must have a code of conduct. What time do we arrive? How many rehearsals do you need to attend in a month before you minister? 
Good afternoon. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm just being honest, <laughs> right? So, so that, that's vital. That means for excellence to exist, right? We must have standards. God has standards, right? God runs according to standards. Standards are part of holiness. Amen. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll say this point then. I'll, I'll drop our scenario um, so that we can get into If we lack standards, patterns, the due order in our ministries or as leaders and anything goes, one of the conflicts we will find often is the conflict between principles and innovation. I've explained what I mean by that. Innovation is a good thing, right? As, as a ministry grows, as people grow, as they develop themselves, they want to try things. They want to do things. That's natural. So none of you will stay in a place where you, you can create. Um, you know, uh, well, that's one of the things that matters to me when I have leaders. It's, it's like, I don't want to tell you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I want to give you frameworks, but I want you to develop within yourself the ability to innovate. Does that make sense? Right? But a lack of Order and structure will frustrate innovation. This is what I'm saying. And what would happen is that people will innovate past, <laughs> they'll innovate past what they should and touch core principles. So essentially, a lack of order, structure, organization is a lack of leadership. <laughs> That's what it is. And what you find is where there is no leadership, people innovate to the point that they want to innovate the mandate. I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? In, and what, what they're feeling is the fact that there is no pattern, there is no design. So they feel like, okay, I need to do something. And then what will happen is eventually as a leader, they will touch the mandate. So let me tell you this. If, for example, let, let, let me use it as a very tech team, don't fight me. I mean, you know, I love you guys. You know, you guys are amazing. Okay. Let me give you an example. An example is, simple example. If, for example, you don't, you, you don't if, for example, you don't have a place to say, okay, this is where the mics go. I'm just using a simple example, right? Someone will take the mic and think, ah, why can't the mics go here? Now, you as a leader might think, hey, this is where I need to put it because obviously on a Sunday morning, I don't want to be looking for it. It makes sense for it to go here. But because it's not become a standard, another person will innovate. But it gets worse than that. It gets worse than that because if you're not careful, one day they will innovate the mandate. And leaders, you ha leaders have to be protectors of patterns. One day they will innovate the mandate and take the ministry, the church, the team outside of its original mandate. Because, uh, am I, is this making sense? Because there is a desire for pattern, for leadership. So excellence in other words, is the ability to harness the partnership between standards, patterns, innovations to produce. People need, they need environments where they feel like they can contribute, they can, they can, they can, 
they can grow, they can develop. And the only environment that allows them to do that is an environment that's well-ordered. Are we making sense? All right. So the last thing I would say on this, and then we'll go into our session is, um, standards and patterns, they create a culture of accountability. So I say accountability. Yeah, they create a culture of accountability. You cannot have excellence without accountability, right? You cannot have excellence without accountability. So it means essentially that because we have a standard, because we have a pattern, don't be afraid to establish patterns and standards. You have to tell people, hey guys, this is the expectation. This is how we operate. Are we together, right? This is the expectation. This is how we operate. This is what we do. This is how we go for it. There, there has to be. Ministry cannot happen with that, without, without that. Right. So in the absence of, of, of those things, there's a lack of accountability. And ministries cannot grow without accountability. Jesus performed the miracle once and he says, gather the remainder of the bread, right? For there shall be no waste. <laughs> So even down to the miraculous, Jesus brings in the concept of accountability. Right? So for excellence, because th there are some things we want to do, they're not going to happen on, on the, it's, it's a journey. Right? So I'll give an example. Let's say we want to buy buildings. Not that we, let's say we want to. <laughs> we need, <laughs> we need, all right? So we're not going to go from zero pounds to one million pounds. Right? We're going to have to go gradually on some things. Right? We're going to have to improve on some things. Where you want to see your team get to, it's got to be a progress. But if you're not tracking growth, does that make sense? I want to, I want to introduce something. Do, do monthly reports. Get, get, get in the habit. Even if like, your pastors are not coming after you, do, already start doing monthly. If you're in a team, if you're a team leader or whatever, start doing monthly reports. Just build the habit now. It's not when your team grows big. You, it's, it's like um, annual returns that you didn't do. <laughs> you know, did at the end of the one go. It's frustrating, right? So do do monthly reports. Okay, this month we saw um, you know many people contacted. We contacted this much people. Just write it down somewhere. Does that make sense? Because you you then the, watch this. There are problems that we wouldn't notice if we don't have accountability as a culture. There are problems. Are we still together? Because I wanted this to be practical for us. There are issues that can begin to crop up gradually that we're not paying attention to because of a lack of accountability. One day it can become a mighty issue because it's been ignored. There's no system of tracking. This is, this is across several fields. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So there has to be a culture of accountability in every, every team. There has to be a culture of feedback, a system of feedback. You're a team leader. You're in a team, you know, whatever work you're leading, there has to be a system of feedback. If you have given someone a task, what are their measures? Does that make sense? How would they know that they've done it according to the due order? How do you measure? Does that make, do you just give it to them to do? No. Where's the feedback? Where's the report? At a, at a higher level of ministry than this, those of you who become pastors, when you start managing like in the thousands, you're not, you're not going to be able to ask 
every every member, how are you? How are you? How are you? That itself is a job. What you will need is you, you will need a feedback system. How many people were contacted this month? Report. You see that? How many were contacted this month? Report. How many souls were reached this month? How many people signed up for discipleship? This is what I'm saying. And you have, you have data. So you look at, you know, it's not everything that you must get from the realm of the spirit. <laughs> I believe me. Right? Data. Just data helps. So you, you, you're looking at it. You're like, hey. All right. Yeah. So you go, hey, wow. It looks like, oh, wow, man. We'll, we'll, we'll keep talking because we, we're evolving entirely. So you look at it. You go, the number of men are reducing. You see that? The number of, this, because you have an accountability system, the number of men, it, that'll be better for you than that, just looking, that one minute can save you skebosh. <laughs> you know what I mean by skebosh? Skebosh, skabash, kelebando, kelebande. You don't have data. You don't, your, your prayer is dataless. Right? So, a, a, a very simple system of track. Is this making sense, please? A simple system of track. So you go, oh, it looks like the men, they've not been coming. Okay, so what's the issue? Then we can start, we can start bringing different ideas. Okay? All right, do they feel comfortable in the church? Why don't they feel comfortable in the church? Okay, some of the reasons may be very carnal, by the way. They might say there are more women in ministry leadership than, than yeah, they, that, that happens, Pastor D. They'll say there are more women, so they don't feel comfortable. That happens, they do that. Okay, or you look at it, you go, hey, like, we haven't seen this person for a while. You see that? Systems that track. Systems that track, right? Whether it's on finance, you know, whether it's, it's on human resource, right? You look at it, you go, okay, here's a point. If at the beginning of the year, all events are not listed, you wouldn't know that you're burning people out. You wouldn't know. I looked at our calendar, I said, yes, definitely, except the Lord builds the house. Deliver you, you wouldn't know that you're burning people out. You, you wouldn't know. You, would, you won't have any, anything. This is just a personal thing. Stop. This is just personal. This is personal. Stop writing things on paper, please. In this day and age. Please. You keep, because you keep losing paper. Stop writing things on random piece of paper. By the time we look at the piece of paper, definitely there is no excellence. Okay, um, if, we, if we're able to, um, because of time, one of the things I wanted to talk about is these six areas of management. One of, one of management, one of them is, is trend management. Trend management. As a leader, you must manage trends. Right? Hopefully we'll get there. Okay, so did we get something from that? All right. So that's building. Of course, you start building from having an excellent heart. All right, but then you must translate that as part of that theology on excellence. All right, as a team leader, 
you know, it's 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 translating a culture of excellence. So have standards. Someone say have standards, right? So if if you if you evaluate your team, or you're becoming a leader, you don't have a team yet. So you can you can also apply this to yourself. If if if, if, if your team and there are no, you can know when standards don't run a team, because everybody seems to do whatever. It's actually it's not a mystery. It's often not a mystery. They often tend to just exhibit it and take matters into it. So you must go back and correct the standards now. You see, you see, our ministry is going to grow more than this, but this is the time to start establishing standards. Otherwise, people will walk in and design a concept for you that is contrary to the mandate that God has. God said to Moses, make sure. So that means God was interested in what wood was used to build the tabernacle, what quality, what type, that level of detail, that level of design, right? And things like that affect the flow of the anointing. Somebody say amen. Did you get something from that? Awesome, awesome. Okay, so I know there are many questions. I don't know how we're going to do it. Okay, Should we, let's go into our groups, okay? Let's do that. And then we're going to finish off the day with Q&A. So we're just doing a mega... Um, all right, so... I have some scenarios for you guys. Is everybody awake now? I told you, if you could master the first 40, 45 minutes, you'll be okay. And you've done that. So, um, so this is following this theology of excellence um, element. Please give me a second. Okay, so this exercise is called the Macedonian call. Someone said the Macedonian call. Okay, so Paul wanted to go preach. The, this is the concept. He wanted to go preach the gospel somewhere. So that's prayer alarm because I can forget to pray. That's of order. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't leave it to chance that I will.